great to see you today. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to get there in just a minute. Just want to plug, this Tuesday at Silver Saints, Chris Douglas and his crew will be here. I think they're going to share a couple songs, and uh, he's going to share a little bit about what's going on. So if you haven't uh, come to Silver Saints or you want to come, everybody's welcome. We'll start at 11.30. We usually have a little lunch together, and then a program will start about noon. So hope you can come and uh, take part of that. I want to begin my part today with a couple brain teasers, all right, so kind of get your mind flowing just a little bit. First one is this. Anybody know what that means? I'm beside myself. I'm beside myself, all right? So just kind of play along, all right? Second one is, I understand. I is understand, all right? I understand. Once upon time, once upon a time, all right. Last one here. You guys came alive all of a sudden. You got one, man, that's awesome. So I decided I'm going to come up with my own. All right, so I came up with one of my own. Now, that's what I'm going to preach about today. So this is the one that I came up with. Anybody know what that means? In the 8 o'clock service, I had like four really good answers. <laughs> really good answers. But so I, I kind of was trying to create something that said... Walking in love, walking in love, all right? You know, several uh, weeks ago, we were doing a series on the gifts of the Spirit, and about chapter 12 and 14 of 1 Corinthians are all about the gifts, and right in the middle is the love chapter. And as I was talking about that and emphasizing the importance of love, I mean, I'm, I'm just serious. God said to me, maybe you ought to practice some of that. How many of you know whenever you're teaching a class, or whenever you have a chance to lead out in something, the one who gets the most out of it is you. And so God began to tell me, I am so busy. I'm so, how many of you have more planned every day than what you could possibly do? And so we're all, I mean, I'm kind of like the ultimate pinball Christian. Just always got something going on. I got to be somewhere else. And when I'm here, I know I got to be over there. And so my mind is always thinking ahead. I felt like God say to me, you need to slow down and you need to practice what you're preaching. You need to learn to slow down and just spread a little bit of love along life's journey. I want to begin with some thoughts that kids had about love. These uh, Joe Lasky sent to me. How many of you know children just have such an amazing way of seeing everything in life, all right? And so these are children ages four through eight when they were asked, to describe love, this is what they came up with. I'm just going to share some of them with you. Noel, age seven, said, Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and he wears it every day. <laughs> How many of you guys remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Karen, age seven, says, When you love someone, your eyelashes go up and down and stars come out of your eyes. <laughs> yeah, remember that guy? Remember that? Then there's Lauren, age four. I know my older sister loves me because she gives me her old clothes to wear and has to go out and buy new ones. <laughs> God bless Lauren there. All right. Chris, age seven, says, Love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. Now this next one, I got to tell you, the next one I kind of debated whether or not I should put it in there, whether it was appropriate or not. And so I, I, I did it on the 8 o'clock service, and they said, oh yeah, leave it in there. 
leave it. So this is that by permission of the eight o'clock service. Mark age six said, "Love is when mommy sees daddy sitting on the toilet and she doesn't think it's gross." <laughs> All right, through the eyes of a child, through the eyes of a child. Tommy age six says, "Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well." That's pretty good right there. That's good stuff. Then there's Chrissy, age six, says, Love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your french fries. <laughs> I mean, that's love if you love french fries. All right. How many of you love french fries? All right. This is one I like. Nick, age six, says, If you want to learn to love better, you should start with someone you hate. Whew. That's convicting right there. That's even biblical. And the last one, a four-year-old boy, uh, his elderly neighbor lost his wife, and he was sitting on the porch, and this little four-year-old boy went over and just climbed up in his lap and sat in his lap. And his mother was watching the whole thing and couldn't really tell what was going on. And when he got home, his mother asked him, what did you say to our neighbor? And this is how the boy replied, nothing, I just helped him cry. You know, kids really do have a transparent way to look at love. But I just want to take a moment and just kind of again review what 1 Corinthians 13 is. We refer to the love chapter. I was talking about the love chapter when God began to convict me to slow down and really begin to love along the journey. And so I again want to read, and again, between the two chapters that talk about spiritual gifts, Paul says, I don't care what gifts you have. I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care anything. If you don't have love, it's nothing. And so I think God was saying to me, because, you know, in ministry, you can be involved doing so many good things that sometimes we miss out on that little act of love that God wants us to stop along the journey. So I want us just to read this again and just be reminded, and this is what I was convicted of as I was sharing it with you guys. God has convicted me. So the last couple weeks, I've been thinking about this every single day. All right, so let's read together from 1 Corinthians 13, the first eight verses. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It was like God saying to me, every single thing we do in life should be done in the love of God. And anything we do that is not expressing the love of God is really, ultimately, in vain, all right? And so then it gives us kind of a dictionary-type definition of love here, starting in the white letters. Let's keep reading. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked and thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. When we're operating in the love of God, there is no 
failure. And so that word, a particular word for love that's used throughout the New Testament is the word agape. It's used nearly 300 times in the New Testament. Now the King James translates it 27 times as charity, but it's the exact same word for love. So if you read 1 Corinthians 13 out of the King James Bible, it'll say charity instead of love. But again, same word. And I love how the Strong's Concordance defines agape love. This is really beautiful. And so the love of God is defined this way, according to Strong's Concordance, the active love of God for us. I love that. Agape love is always active. The love of God is always reaching out. The love of God is always compassionate. The love of God is active. It's impossible to have the love of God and do nothing. So I want you to know God's love is always active and reaching out and loving and wanting to encourage. But then it goes on to say that same love that God has for us is the same word that we should have active love for God, for each other, and for even our enemies. So to have the love of God, it's again, it's impossible to have the love of God and do nothing. The love of God always gives. It's always active. It's always giving back, always pouring back. If you remember when Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, what is the great commandment? What is the most important thing about this journey we're on? He said, it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. In other words, all of Scripture is about two things. It's about passionately loving God actively, but it's also about loving each other along the journey. And what God convicted me of is I get so busy. I, I over plan every day. How many of you ever have too many things that you just possibly can't get everything done on a given day? And so I just, I find myself when I'm over here, I know I've got to be over here. So I'm thinking, how can I get over here real quick? And then when I'm over here, I think I should be over here. And, and you just kind of go crazy all day. And God's saying, slow down, slow down and learn to love, learn to give back along the journey. I love how the Apostle John, and, and by the way, more than any other writer in the New Testament, I think John experienced the love of God, and I think he also encouraged other people to love along the journey. He was the disciple in John's gospel. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's said about himself three times in his own gospel. And even though that may again sound like it's boastful, I think John, all of a sudden the light came on and John realized that he credibly loved by God. Can I tell you, any of the disciples could have said that and it would have been absolutely true. And when it dawns on you that you are the child, you are his child who he loves unconditionally, it really is a life-changing moment when you realize how much he loves you. And so he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loves. If you remember in John chapter 13, before he went to the cross, he said to his disciples, a very familiar verse to many of us, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 
By this all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And so really the acid test for being a Christian is not how high we jump, not how loud we worship. It's not how big our church is or how big the budget is. But he said, really, the thing that distinguishes you from anyone in the world is you have the love of God. Because it's impossible for a lost person to love with the love of God if they don't have God in their life. And the only way you can really pull this off is to surrender to God and let the Holy Spirit living in you live out of you through your words and through your actions. He wants us to go along life's journey and experience that love and share that love. And so this week I kind of came up with an acrostic to love. Now, you probably have a better one, but this is, this is all I could come up with. So for love, I put loving others virtually everywhere, every day. So love is just really loving others virtually. And that word virtually, I had to look it up, see if it made any sense. And, and part of virtually means almost entirely. Almost entirely every day, you should be spreading the love of God everywhere you go. Now you say, what would be a case where I wouldn't spread the love of God? Probably when you're going to the restroom, all right? Just focus on that. Don't focus on sharing Jesus with somebody while you're in the restroom. So there's probably a few places that you're not to focus on that, but virtually everywhere, every day, and I put a couple ants up here. Ants, to me, are kind of the mascot of the life of Jesus, If you've ever been around, by the way, Proverbs says in Proverbs 6, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. How many of you think it's amazing that we can sit at the feet of ants and learn? But if you remember, when I was in high school, I played basketball so much in my backyard, I had a big bear spot worn out in the grass. And if I didn't play for a couple days, I'd go out there and there was these ant hills all over the dirt. How many of you have ever just watched ants? They are awesome. They're a hoot to watch. If you watch ants, they're always moving, and they're always stopped. They stop and talk, stop and talk. They go stop and talk, stop and talk. And they're carrying big stuff. I mean, if you see a leaf going across, that's, that's an ant under there. I mean, they're just always busy, always, but they're, all, they're very social. If I, were to, if I were to pick out a mascot for the life of Jesus, it would be the ant. Because everywhere Jesus went, have you ever noticed, he always had time to stop and talk to people. I find that amazing, that he always had time. And by the way, whenever someone would say, Jesus, come to my house, whenever he was invited to somebody's house, he always had time. How did he do that? How did he pull that off that he always had time? But he learned just to spread the love of God everywhere he went. You know, sometimes I get home and I'm rushing to church so I can go out on visitation and tell somebody about Jesus so I can rush here to this meeting. But you know, the, really, the key to the Christian life, what God is saying to me, it's just about everywhere you go, learning to slow down and look for opportunities to spread the love of God. Walker Moore, who we had here a few years back, he had this quote, God will always lead a willing witness to a seeking soul. If you're willing to share Jesus, he will lead somebody across your path who's willing to hear. And so I took this quote and I kind of made my own. I don't know if it's it's still his or mine, but I kind of used this quote to say this. God will always lead a loving believer to a hurting and needy soul. If you're willing every day to love on somebody in Jesus' name, 
I believe God will send somebody across your path who needs to be loved by God. You know, about uh, 10 days ago, and I see Ivan back here and, and uh, Gabe, it was probably about uh, 12.20 in the morning. And so I normally go to bed about 11, 11.30, but it, it was a busy day. It was a week ago Wednesday. I had a long day. Wednesdays are always a long day. And so it was about 12.20 in the morning. I was just getting ready to turn my phone off. I silence it. I don't know how to silence part of it, not all of it. So I just silence it when I, when I go to bed. I was just getting ready to silence it, and the phone rang, and it was Ivan. His wife, Chris, was in St. Louis University Hospital, and they called Ivan about 12.15, and they said, we got to make a decision tonight to either uh, put her on a ventilator or we got to let her step into eternity. And when Ivan was talking to me, I knew. I mean, I just knew instantly God said to me, I want you to take Ivan down there. Now, again, I'm 64. I haven't had an all night anything for a long time. <laughs> And so my first thought is, is it even possible after a crazy long day, could I even stay awake? And so I had Brenda pray for me, and, and I said to Ivan, he's sitting right back here, man, I love this guy. I said, Ivan, I'll take you, I'll come by and pick you up, and we'll go down there. Now, when you're going down to St. Louis University, which is down on Grand Boulevard, when you're going down there about 1 o'clock in the morning, there is not much traffic. Another thing we found is when we got down there, we had our, our pick of parking places. But you know, when I was driving down there and, and Ivan was, was contemplating the decision that they were telling him he had to make, whether to put her on a ventilator or let her step into eternity, I've never felt more of the love of God than riding down to the hospital with that guy. And just to be able to love on him, to encourage him, and just, man, just to be there for him. And we got down there, and, that, and they had already had to make a decision because it was a critical situation, so they already decided to put the uh, breathing tube in. So he didn't have to make that decision that night. And so we stayed, and we visited with the doctors and the nurses. We got back about 4.30 in the morning. But y'all want to say, I, I'm surprised that I was pretty much wide awake the whole time. And I, I, it's kind of such a privilege to ride down there with this brother and just to be able to visit back and forth. And we go back a long way, both with Ivan and his wife, Chris. And, and this last Monday, uh, he was called uh, by the hospital and they had to make a decision to pull the breathing tube out. And so again, I told Ivan, I'd like to be there. And, and Gabe was there and Nick was there. And I said, I'd like to be there. And so we all gathered around and we prayed over Chris and, and the nurses came in and did their thing and, and they took the breathing tube out and to everybody's amazement, all of her vital signs stayed the same. She seemed to be doing okay. And so uh, we stayed there for a while and then Ivan said to me, you know, why don't you go on back? I know you got a lot of things going. And so I left their room, came down to the parking garage and when I was getting ready to get to my car, I saw this older lady coming up the parking garage. And she seemed a little bit confused. Now, normally, I would just get out of my car and left. But I prayed that day, God, give me an opportunity to share your love. And so I just said to this lady, who seemed a little confused, I said, is everything okay? And she said, I'm here to pick up my husband. 
And I'm thinking to myself, well, you wouldn't be in the parking garage if you're here to pick up your husband. You would pick him up in the front of the hospital. And, and so we got to talking a little bit. And I said, well, did they call you? She had dropped him off the night before in the emergency room. And she just thought, I guess, if you drop him off the night before, you just pick him up the next day. That's how it works. But I said to her, did they call you and tell you that he's ready to go home? And she said, no. And her name was Virginia. I said, Virginia... And I just knew this was my God. I mean, I just knew God. I mean, I never heard God any more clear that God said, hey, I just want you to take time for this lady. And so we just started talking. I said, Virginia, let me walk up to the main desk with you. Let me just take some time and go up there. I just want to make sure that we can get you to your husband. And so she could hardly walk. And so we just took our time. I said to her several times, you want to sit down and rest? And she said, no, I'm okay. And, but we slowly waddled to the main uh, part of the hospital there and we got there and we asked about her husband he was up on the eighth floor so he was not ready to come home and so I said to Virginia why don't you uh, and she had, had to get her driver's license to get her badge made up and she couldn't find her license in her purse now I I don't know what women put in their purse I don't but I was standing there with Virginia and she had her purse and, and so I said, can I hold it for you? Because I did not want to reach in and look. So I said, I'll hold it for you and you look for it. And she had several credit cards with rubber bands on them. There were several piles of them in her purse. And we looked through one pile, no driver's license, got to the second pile about halfway through. I said, I think that looks like a license right there. So she got her driver's license out, gave it to the guy. He made a badge for her. He said he's up on the eighth floor, and you can only have one visitor all day. You, know, you guys know how that works. And so I said to Virginia, I said, look, I obviously can't visit, but I would consider it an honor to walk you up to the room just to make sure you get there. And so we walked up. It probably took 45 minutes from the parking garage to his room. And as we began to talk, I asked her her background. She grew up Catholic. We talked about how important a personal relationship is with Jesus. And I remember saying to her right before we got on the elevator to go up to the eighth floor, I said, Virginia, you know what? I think God brought us together today. And she looked up at me with a tear in her eye. And she said, I don't know what I would have done without you. I've never felt more of an act of love than that day. Just to slow down and take some time and just love on Virginia. Took about 45 minutes, but it was the best 45 minutes of my day. I remember walking her up to the room and he was up on the very top floor, the farthest room from the elevator. We got all the way back there, pulled the curtain back. I said, does that look like him? He said, that's him. By the way, we were walking in. I said, well, what happened? Why did you have to bring him in? He she said, he choked on a pork chop. He wasn't chewing it. I told him to chew it. I said, husbands are like that. They just don't listen. She said, yeah, yeah, you're right. I got her go. I got a couple amens out of her. We got her up there. I said, is that your husband? She said, yeah, that's him. And, and I just said, hey. It was a privilege to be able to hang out with you today. I told a couple nurses on my way out, would you kind of keep an eye out for Virginia? Whenever it comes time for her to go home, she may need help getting back to the parking lot. 
You know, I've discovered in life that, again, I get so busy. I wonder how many Virginias I miss in my daily life because I'm so busy running here, running there. But I think if we're willing to share the love of God, I truly believe that God will send people across our path. People that we bump elbows with every single day. Maybe it's at the gas station. Maybe it's at Walmart. You say, the last couple weeks, I've just had my antennas up every single day, just saying, God, give me that moment. Teach me when to slow down and love on somebody. Do you say, have, have I got all of them? No. I remember a couple came by, and, and, and they were uh, a needy couple that we've been helping off and on for quite a while. And i, I got to be really honest with you. I felt like God said, I want you to go out there and love on this couple. And even though I went out, and even though I talked to them, even though I, I gave them a gift card to help them out, to my shame, I did not take the time that I think God wanted me to take. What God is teaching me is, even though I'm 64 years old and been in ministry 40-something years, I still have to trust Him. I still am a work in progress. But I am so thankful to be part of a church that loves people. I appreciate Ron Spurgeon right back there. Ron has a heart for the down and out. And he'll bring up somebody and, and he'll, he'll always come back with, shouldn't we help him? I love that guy. I love Josh and Kayla Ross, who have a ministry to the homeless and the addicts. I'm telling you, when you stop for those people in your life, it's going to change your calendar that day. But it's worth it. By the way, the flowers up here, I don't, I don't usually have flowers up here, but these are flowers that Ivan bought for Chris. He wanted her, and he put them, we were able to bring Chris home a few days ago. They put her on hospice, and the heart of this guy, he wanted to put two big bouquets right by the window. As she was looking out her bedroom window, she would see these two beautiful bouquets. So he brought him in today and just said, hey, this is just a reminder of Chris. She passed away yesterday morning about 9.15. I love that guy. Love Gabe, her son back there. I feel like, again, you never stop learning. You never stop being humbled by God when I realized that everything I was preaching to you guys I needed it the most. It's such an honor to be able to serve here and to be able to serve with people who take time. I wonder what would happen on a given week if we would all just pray every day that God help me to walk in your love and help me to find those Virginias and help me to slow down and just love someone in Jesus' name. I believe we bump elbows with thousands and thousands of people every single day. I just want you to stand. I made up some, uh, I'm, not, I'm not very artistic at all, as you can tell. I made up some bookmarkers, and it has the love symbol with the footprints on it, and it has always walk 
in love. I got some over here on the Lord's Supper table. I've got some over here on this little table. I want to encourage you. I'd love to see everybody take one. I don't know if I have enough for everybody, but I'd love to see them all go. Just put it somewhere where you have your daily quiet time. And every morning when you get up to read your Bible, just be reminded and just pray, God, help me to walk in love today. And if I cross paths with someone that I need to slow down, help me to take time and to love them in Jesus' name. In the 8 o'clock service, I knelt down here and I had somebody come up and pray for me. And I know in some ways I feel selfish even having people pray for me. But I said at the 8 o'clock service, more than anybody in this room, I need it. I don't want to stand before God someday and just talk about how many meetings I went to and how many balls I juggled every day. I hope I can stand before God and know that I was obedient to slow down and to love people along the journey. One day in heaven, after spending a few hundred years at the feet of Jesus and seeing my mom and dad and so many others, someday in heaven I want to, I want to find Virginia and just say, wasn't that cool that God allowed us to cross paths that day? So I want us just to take a minute, and if you want, you can slip out. If you want to come and grab a bookmarker, or you can do it after the service. But right where you are, I just want you just to let God love on you. He cares about every detail of your life. He actively, every day, just wants to, to love on you. And would you ask God to give you the grace every day this week just to walk in love? That the world might look at us and see Jesus. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So as David plays softly, the invitation's open. Maybe today for the first time in your life, today's the day that you just want to open up your heart to Christ. I can't think of a better day or a more important decision. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. We would love to do that. Would you just receive the love of God? I know that everyone is hurting. By the way, if you have your bulletin, that part that tears off, I want to encourage you before you leave today to take that, tear off that part of the bulletin. On one side, it's a visitor's card. The other side's a prayer request. I want you to write down where you're hurting today. Can you do that? And, and don't put your name. I want you to be real, all right? I want you to write down what's really going on in your life, and you can just put it in that offering box back there. And I want to promise you this week, we'll be praying for you. And I want to assure you that God cares about every single detail in your life. And God wants to use us to love each other as well. By the way, Chris's funeral will be this Friday at uh, 11 o'clock right here. So pray for us this week that we can make that a celebration of her life. It's such a privilege to be a part of this body, 
So pray for me. I'm God's ultimate test case. I don't know if I shared in this service or the last service, but yesterday we were in Union and we were trying to, we were in Walgreens and so we decided to go through First Baptist parking lot to get out on Highway 50 because it's always quicker. How many of you know I'm always for the quicker? So I'm always, and I got behind, just one car between us and Highway 50 and there were several spots you could have drove a Mack truck in, but they sat there. That wasn't somebody here, was it? Anyway, they just sat there. I kept watching these openings, 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 and they didn't move. So in Jesus' name, I just went around them, went right on out. So as I pulled out, Brenda goes, you need to have a little more patience. I hate that. So I haven't arrived. Don't put any preacher up on a pedestal. They are a mess. They are a work in progress. And if that was you sitting in front of me and you knew it and you were messing with me, talk to me. <laughs> point taken, point taken. Let's just take a minute. If you feel comfortable, just raise a hand or two hands to heaven. I always think about little children that reach up to their parents. Man, what parent, what grandparent would not immediately reach down and just put your arms around them and lift them up? I just want you to receive the unconditional love of God. And would you pray that this week, this day, that everywhere you go, that you would have your antennas up and just be willing to stop and slow down and just share the love of Jesus along the journey. I want to pray for you, then Bob's going to share a couple things. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your patience with me. I thank you for this incredible journey that we can enjoy together. Father, teach us to slow down and just love on the Virginias in our life. Father, may your spirit spill out everywhere we go with everything we say and everything we do. And God, give me patience in traffic. Amen. Amen.